Grueling Hertz Investment Fund Managers. Hey everyone, Adam Bergman here, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. Welcome to another episode of Adam Talks. On this podcast, I'm going to review a new U.S. tax court case involving a $10 billion hedge fund and the somewhat surprising ruling that is going to put a uh, tax dent um, or large bite into some investment fund managers. And this case really comes down to self-employment tax and limited partners and do limited partners in a hedge fund, private equity fund, real estate fund, investment fund, do they need to pay self-employment tax on the fund's income? So not on the guaranteed payments, obviously on their W-2 guaranteed payments, they owe self-employment tax, which is you know 15.3% plus uh, potentially a 3.9% on excess of certain income. That's not the issue. The issue is on their profit. So on the hedge fund, private equity fund, real estate, on the business income, do they also owe self-employment tax? Now, in the past, the tax court's very, very clear under section 402, A13 in the Internal Revenue Code, limited partners do not owe self-employment tax on their distributive share of income from the partnership. Okay, that's just in the code, it's entrenched, been the law for um, you know, 40, 40, 50 years. Um, however, in the last 20 or so years, there's been a number of rulings that have kind of took a shot at that um, statement and has been trying, at least some of these tax courts have been trying to expand the definition of a limited partner. Um, and that's ultimately what this case did called uh, Sorbonne Capital Partners versus the Commissioner. Um, and the TC uh, tax court memo was published November 28, 2023. So, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, very significant case. And that's why I wanted to talk about on today's podcast. Now, if you don't run a private equity, real estate, hedge fund, venture capital fund, you know, it may not directly impact you, but I think it's worth um, understanding the case. It's worth understanding how partnerships work. The difference is between a general partner, a limited partner, how self-employment taxes should and shouldn't work on, on that income. So that's what this uh, podcast is about. Again, even if it's not directly impacting you because you don't run a fund, you're not a limited partner in a partnership. I think it's certainly worth the next 10 minutes of your, of your day to just listen to it and understand um, kind of how, how this case works and, and the significance because it's going to impact um, you know every large investment fund. Now, clearly, we're talking really about 3.9%. That's really the juice of what we're talking about because if you're going to pay, we're all going to pay 15.8% self-employment tax on income of up to a few hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so... That's not going to be an issue. What's an issue is the additional 3.8% uh, tax on income above a few hundred thousand dollars. Okay, and that's what this case uh, uh, is really about. Now, if you make a million dollars of extra money, you know, on your distributive share as a limited partner, so if your share of the income of the partnership is a million bucks, you know, 3.8% is 38,000 bucks. Yeah. Maybe it's not life or death. But if your distributor share is 10 million or 50 million, as we'll see in some of these examples, 3.8% uh, is a lot of money. So, you know, it adds up quick. And, uh, you know, these folks aren't really interested in paying additional tax 
um, to Uncle Sam. So I'm going to review the case, talk about the law, talk about kind of how the law has been changing, and then talk about the um, impact this case is going to have on uh, future funds and, and what potentially um, we, we can do. So let me go through the ruling. As I mentioned, it just came out um, November 28, 2023. This case has been in the works. Uh, Sorbonne Capital Partners, it's a New York hedge fund, um, $10 billion fund. Okay, so it's not small. Um, it's run by two gentlemen, Eric Manblan, Scott uh, Freedom Hand, and they had a fund manager named uh, Gaurav Kapadia. And they all paid self-employment tax on certain guarantee payments, again, which is W-2. No one's denying W-2 payments are subject to self-employment tax. And they paid about a million bucks each. But the IRS said they also should have paid the self-employment tax on their distributive share of the profits from the partnership which combined for $78 million for the three of them in 2016, $64 million in 2017, right? So remember when I said 3.8% on a million is not that big of a deal. 3.8% on uh, $78 million, that's real money. And 3% on $64 million, again, it's real money. It's a couple million bucks each way. Um, it's worth fighting for. So Sorbonne, they took the position, hey, we're a limited partner and we're not subject to self-employment tax. Why? Because if you look at the law under section 401, uh, a imposes self-employment tax on an individual distributive share of income or loss from any trade or business carried on by a partnership of which the individual is a partner. However, section 402A13 excludes from the computation of self-employment self tax, the distributive share of income or loss of a limited partner as such. Now, the limited partner exception does not apply to guaranteed payments, which is W-2, okay? Um, but the idea was this. Back in the 70s, Congress, the tax code, the IRS did not want passive investors to basically get credit for any self-employment tax as a limited partner because they believed that that was going to allow them to um, get credit for it, which will increase the burden on the state the government to pay self-employment tax you know, when they get older. The problem is things have changed since the 70s, okay? In 1977, this exemption was put in the tax code really to stop limited partners, passive investors from getting credit uh, for self-employment income that would allow them to qualify for benefits down the road. But the tax system obviously changed, you know? And in the 1970s, the payroll tax were capped for high-income taxpayers so that the top earners had no incentive to avoid them, okay? No one really cared. But in 2013, Congress removed some of the income cap that hit the rich, and the top earners faced an additional 3.8%, okay? So the environment changed, the game changed. And in the past, they wanted to shield passive investors from getting credit for self-employment tax. So that's why they put the exception in for limited partners, they didn't want them to get credit for retirement benefits when they were older under the social security system. But since 2013, they added this 3.8%, got rid of the caps. So now they actually want limited partners to pay self-employment tax. They care very much less about retirement benefits down the road. They care much more about the 3.8% on this income. So that's what started happening. And they started getting the way. They started pursuing these cases um, in 2011, there was uh, actually there was an earlier case 
um, I should mention, um, but we can focus on the 2011 case, sorry, it was um, Rankin-Meyer versus commissioner and a limited partner of a limited liability partnership was liable for self-employment tax if the limited partner actively participated in the partnership, right? So now they're starting to expand the definition of a limited partner. Generally, the way a partnership works is there are limited partners, like investors, passive generally, meaning you just invest in the partnership, you kind of hope the partnership does well, and you sit back and collect your distributive share of income. And then there's general partners. The general partner generally is a person or an entity that actively manages the partnership, right? Kind of like an LLC manager, but this is a general partner, okay? Same thing as an LLC, just the older structures of these funds still use limited partners and general partners. They can easily use an LLC. I think the, the case law is just a little bit more established. Um, and that's why um, general partners and limited partners are used under the partnership context. But it easily could just be a member of an LLC that's passive, right? I invest in a hedge fund. I'm working all day. I put 200 grand in the hedge fund. I hope the hedge fund manager is smarter than me and makes me money. And that's what the general partner is. They get, you know, a 2% fee, they get, which is through their a guarantee payment, and they also get 20% of the profits. Okay. But a lot of these GPs, a lot of these hedge fund managers or real estate managers or venture capital managers or private equity managers, they also invest in the partnership, right? They also become limited partners. They have skin in the game, right? They put money at stake. So these cases are basically saying, listen. You may think you're a limited partner, and I know Section 401 says limited partners don't have to pay self-employment tax, but you are also a general partner, meaning you're also actively involved in the partnership. So we actually think you're not really limited. Therefore, you should pay self-employment tax because you're actively managing the entity, and this limited partnership interest should really be part of your general partnership interest. Now, that first 2011 case, um, Reckenmeyer basically talked about the concept of active participation. There's a 2017 case called um, Castig-Liola uh, versus Commissioner. And in this case, they said that active members of a professional limited liability company were not limited partners for purposes of self-employment tax. Okay, so the trend is starting. Now we have the Sarabon case, and there's also a case pending against... Um, the owner of the New York Mets, Stephen Cohen, is three points capital uh, for also hundreds of millions of dollars at stake under the same uh, rules, trying to get him to pay the 3.8% on the, his LP interest, not on the guarantee payment, not on his salary, but on the distributive share of the partnership income. So what happened in this case? So Sorbonne Fund, they try to move for summary judgment, which means they basically said, listen, um, this is a matter of law. Um, the facts are, 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 not, are not an issue. You just got to rule on the law. And the law is clear under Section 401. Um, we're a limited partner, therefore, just rule for us and we can all go home. And unfortunately, the tax board didn't do that. And they basically said, no. They rejected this argument and they ruled that a functional analysis test, so a functional analysis test is applicable. Okay, in determining the status of a limited partner. And their reasoning is based on interpretation of the congressional's intent that a limited partner as such 
was only intended to refer to a passive investor. Okay, and 401 and 402 only should focus on passive investors, not a limited partner that's also managing the fund. And that's basically how they ended up. Now, because this is a tax court memo, a TC opinion, this type of opinion is issued in cases where the full tax court believes the opinion involves a sufficiently important legal issue or principle, and as such, the opinion is binding and procedural and presidential. Okay, so they're basically saying this is precedent. It's an important opinion. If a limited partner is also actively involved in the managing of this fund and is not purely passive, you have to pay 3.8% self-employment tax on the distributive share of any income from the partnership. And that on top of any self-employment tax, you have to pay on guaranteed payments, which is essentially W-2. Um, and again, this case really um, goes in contrast to section 401 and 402 for the exclusion of the self-employment tax on uh, limited partners. And you can argue that the seeds were being planted back in 2011 and then 2017, based off the two cases I uh, aforementioned. And, and now ultimately with this case, basically saying, hey, if you're a limited partner, but you're also actively involved in managing the fund, guess what? You're gonna owe self-employment tax, uh, which is the 3.8% on any distributive share. Uh, pretty aggressive ruling. Basically it's um, you know over, overruling a provision of the tax code, basically re reinterpreting a provision of the tax code that seems to have been law for the last, I don't know, 40, 45 years or so, 46 years. So it's a, a pretty monumental case. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. It's not directly impacting retirement accounts. Um, although an argument can be made that these LP interests should be invested using IRAs, uh, 401ks, because they're not subject to self-employment tax. Um, so there is kind of a retirement angle, assuming there's no UBIT associated with any of this net income. Um, UBIT tax, unrelated business income tax, which is imposed on income, business income that's not passive or income that's um, also um, involving debt. Um, but this case is important, 3.8% on 10 million bucks, 20 million bucks, 50 million bucks, millions of dollars, right? 3.8% on 200,000 bucks, it's not really that significant, uh, but it's an important case because it brings into light the difference between a limited partner and on the other hand, a general partner. And now it really expands the definition of a limited partner to imposing self-employment tax of the additional 3.8% surcharge for income over a few hundred thousand dollars if the partner is also not purely passive and also is active in the uh, fund. So going forward, anyone that has an investment fund, whether it's real estate, private equity, venture capital, hedge fund, um, and you also have a limited partnership stake in that fund, which most do, because most investors want to see skin in the game. Most fund managers are going to put in a percentage of the fund's asset uh, to also show, again, skin in the game, that they're believing in their um, strategy and in their business model. That distributive share, any profits associated with that LP, um, you know, very well could be subject to the self-employment tax. So this, this case is going to make you look at the facts of what you do as a limited partner how active are you? Um, and then potentially um, 
you know, build that into to the future um, net calculation of your returns that, hey, those LP returns on the distributive share of profit, I have to potentially um, calculate and uh, envision that those profits will be subject to additional 3.8% uh, based off this functional analysis of its limited partners' roles and responsibilities in the fund, okay? And this will have a um, an impact, not a monster impact, but I think you can see where it's going. Um, guess what? Carried interest is next, right? This is the first easy, you know, um, ruling, um, first easy tax issue to go off after for the IRS was this 3.8% um, self-employment tax surcharge on LP income associated with um, active managers. The next thing's gonna be the carry. We, we all see the writing on the walls. They're dancing around the hard issue, right? Trying to kind of nibble at the core, but the core is the core and the core is the carried interest, which is the 20% profits, which is treated as capital gains. And I do believe in that position. Um, and I hope that position remains from a tax standpoint, at least that that will be treated as capital gains. But uh, I think this ruling is significant because it shows the IRS is going after these funds they see the enormous amount of wealth that's been created by these investment funds. Um, and there's a number of folks, including uh, leading the charge center widen of Oregon on the Ways and Means Committee that um, is going after these fund managers, uh, whether it's um, tax uh, leaking to ProPublica, showing uh, American uh, taxpayers how much money these people are making, uh, which again, they didn't steal the money, they have made the money fairly. Uh, based off the system, they've gotten uh, tax benefits based off the fact they carry uh, interest or taxes, capital gains, and not ordinary income. But the Sarabon case, uh, I think, is the first blow. And I think in the next several years, we're going to see, especially if the Democrats um, have any control of the Ways and Means or the Senate Finance Committee um, or even the presidency, that the carried interest. Um, topic is, is on the chopping blocks, and I would not be shocked in the next few years if there's going to be case law or some type of legislation uh, ruling that's going to state that carried interests are going to be taxed, not as capital gains, but uh, ordinary income. So I'll leave it at that. Um, again, I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Um, even if you are not running your own investment fund, I think it's an important case kind of showing the direction where the IRS goes. And also I think it's helpful to understand how fund works, right? Who's a general partner, who's a limited partner, some of the, the tax principles, um, including the self-employment tax on the distributive share, which most, well, every every limited partner, whether you're passive um, or, or you're passive in the sense you're not involved in the fund, or if you are, are in the fund, the premise has always been that's not subject to self-employment tax, that is passive. And, this this case now says it's not, especially you have to do a um, a test to determine based off facts and circumstances from a um, you know fractional analysis, functional analysis, um, who uh, roles and responsibilities are and what they do, and based off that, do you think Sarabon case will apply and turn the LP distributive share from passive? Uh, potentially active and then subject to uh, 3.8% self-employment tax. So that's it. Um, thanks for hanging out. I hope everyone's having an amazing holiday. Happy holidays. Hope everyone stays safe. 
spends a lot of time with her families and um, I'm going. So I hope keep, I'm staying around and I'll be pumping up content. So if you have some time in the holidays, um, keep listening, keep watching. Otherwise, take care, have a great day. See everyone soon.